Murfreesboro. W270AF Murfreesboro. WGNS Murfreesboro. This is FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's Place to Talk. Stand by, Rutherford County. The WGNS Action Line continues a search for truth. Alrighty, folks, welcome back into the action line. It is 814 here at WGNS, and uh, hopefully everybody's having a good start to the day on your way to work or uh, just getting your day started. Maybe you're off to school. Lots going on here in Rutherford County. And, uh, well, thanks for choosing us to be your entertainment this morning, your information station. We are WGNS, and our guest this morning, and we have two guests with us, is Sharon Joseph and Tanya Glasgow. Good morning, ladies. Hey, thank you so much for coming on and uh, joining us today and giving us a few minutes. Now, just a few days past Veterans Day, so I wanted to start off by saying Happy Veterans Day to both of you. I learned we're both veterans, and mm-hmm. that's going to play into our conversation this morning with the American Red Cross Heart of Tennessee chapter, uh, because we wanted to talk about one of the things is your guys' role with military families, their families at home, the soldiers overseas, how you're able to... Um, help them communicate, help that relationship stay strong. That can be tough when somebody's so far away. And one of the many things you guys do, we also want to talk about blood donations and why that's important, especially in 2020. 2020 has been a little bit unique in some ways. Um, So that'll be one of the things we want to chat about as well. But wanted to start off and just uh, let you ladies introduce yourselves and tell us what you do with the Red Cross. So uh, Sharon, if you want to start and uh, just tell us what your role is with the Red Cross and what you do. Sure. Um, I'm a volunteer to, to begin with, and I have a multitude of tasks, and I work with, uh, primarily I'm a duty officer, so when uh, calls from the fire department come in that a home has been destroyed, we dispatch the what they call the DAT team, disastrous uh, team, and they go out to the families and try to assist them, find them a, get them a place to stay if their home's destroyed and that kind of thing. So that's my primary duty right now. And that's interesting. I didn't realize that the the call to the Red Cross would be done so shortly after a house fire. But um, you know, if you put yourself in that situation, you're you're you know immediately looking for that assistance, and, and you guys are right there. Yes, that's right. We I have actually been at a fire scene doing canteening, which is taking food and drinks for the fire department while the fa- the fire is engaged. So, and what are some of the other things that maybe come up in that line of duty? Things that people need. Things that. Um, you know, at that moment, what is what is your role? Um, what are some of the things you hear from these families who are affected by fires? Mm-hmm. Well, they oftentimes lose everything they own and uh, and their their roof over their head, and so we provide some financial assistance, just a stipend, and uh, we give them a list of agencies within their community because we do have ten counties that we reach out to within the uh, Middle Tennessee. And so we give them a list of uh, opportunities where they can get clothing or food or uh, things in the interim until they get their feet back under them. Fantastic. Our other guest this morning is Tanya Glasgow, who is the program specialist with the Heart of Tennessee chapter of the American Red Cross. And uh, Tanya, if you would tell us a little bit of what you do. All right. Uh, well, first, I'd like to say um, happy belated Veterans Day to all the veterans out there and their families as well, because the families serve 
<laughs> as well. Um, so I uh, am with the Nashville chapter and also with the Heart of Tennessee chapter, and I do the service to armed forces and also international services. And um, so I've been with the Red Cross now for um, almost two years, and it's been such a joyous ride. <laughs> we stay busy all the time. Um, there's lots of needs out there in the community, and um, being a, um, a veteran myself, I love to be able to um, reach out to my military brothers and sisters out there and help them and their families. And how does being a veteran play into working with the Red Cross? Did that did that come naturally? Was that maybe a coincidence, or was that something that maybe kind of led you towards working with the Red Cross because you had an idea of what they do? Well, when you're in the service, you're, there's just this camaraderie um, that you have with the people that you serve with, and also this sense of um, working for something bigger than yourself um, and, and just having that mission and that purpose. And when I found out about the Red Cross, um, that just seemed like a great fit for me. Um, working with the volunteers, working with the staff, everyone there, there is that camaraderie and that sense of mission and purpose and being able to help people in the community. So it feels like home to me. And, of course, all the wonderful volunteers like Sharon, who yes. are the lifeblood of the Red Cross. Whenever I talk with you guys, there's uh, volunteers are such a vital role. Did you start as a volunteer? No, I did not. Um, I actually um, was already, I had been working with, like, Operation Stand Down, working with homeless veterans. Um, so my background is, has been, um, lately has been in the nonprofit field. So um, that's how I found out about this position and so I already had some experience behind me with working with people in need so this just this was a great fit awesome uh Sharon wanted to ask you about your volunteer duties and how did you land with the Red Cross what was that reason for you taking the step and uh, joining such a great team I I retired from the Department of the Veterans Affairs and uh, didn't really want to go back and volunteer there after serving so many years there. And so I look, kind of looked around, and my husband was retired military, and so we spent quite a few years traveling. And the Red, Red Cross, um, through the Combined Federal Campaign, is where we always donated money since we had received those benefits ourselves. <clears throat> my husband was in Vietnam. <clears throat> Sorry. And uh, our second child was born. <clears throat> and so he was notified by the Red Cross that he had a new son, and so uh, that started us donating to the a Red Cross, and so that made me think of the Red Cross when I wanted to volunteer. Well, we're going to get more into this in just a second, but um, walk us through the the process, and we were talking about you know you guys being a link between those soldiers and their their families at home. Um, but sometimes it's not as easy as just picking up a cell phone and, and calling your family or getting this news when you're overseas. So how does the Red Cross plan to this in delivering news? Like, hey, you got a, a new kid on the way, uh, mm-hmm. things like that. And I'm sure just as much as good news also have to deliver bad news from time to time. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that's part of the job. But um, walk us through that. I think that's that's really interesting that you can be that communication link between a family and a soldier. All right. Well, the Red Cross was actually born on the battlefield. <laughs> We've been doing this since 1881, um, being that link between the families and uh, the military that are 
deployed or in training. Uh, we call these emergency communication messages, and we have what we call the Hero Care Network. Uh, the Hero Care Network is a call center that's um, manned 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So if you have a family member here, say in, Ru- in uh, Rutherford County, that um, someone's gone into the hospital, there's been a death or birth, um, they'll call the Hero Care Center. And then the Hero Care Center um, takes that information and they verify it. Um, by calling the hospitals, talking to the doctors, the nurses, or um, the funeral homes. So then when they call the command, the commander knows that this information has been validated, and they can make a a decision um, then as to if that service member can go home or not. And it all depends on where they're at in the mission. If they're mission critical, sometimes they can't come home. Um, So that's how they... They do the, um, the emergency communication messages. And if there's a birth, we've even had where um, you can – the Red Cross has been there where they can uh, video, do video chats with the service members while they're overseas, deployed. And you need to tell them, <coughs> yeah. Sharon, about your story about emergency communication yeah, messages. Yeah, it's a little, little different during the Vietnam War era. And they actually used uh, shortwave radio. So they let me talk to my husband, but it was, hello, over – how are you? Over. <laughs> so it was very stilted conversation, and people were listening in. So, yes, the baby's fine and over, and <laughs> that was the, the whole communication. But it was fun. And one of the many ways that uh, we're blessed to be here in 2020, because you can send pictures and video right. conference, Absolutely. and you can see that newborn uh, live as he's, as he's being born and brought into the world. So. All righty. We're going to take a quick time out. Uh, we're going to check on that weather and traffic. When we come back, I want to learn more about this. This is this is interesting. I think that link of communication and uh, I want to find out some of the other roles of the Red Cross and some of the other things you guys do. So uh, we'll pick this conversation back up in just one second. But in the meantime, I wanted to remind folks that weather and traffic this hour brought to you by First Class Sales and Service in Smyrna. They're your hometown auto repair shop and reminding you not to wait on those repair jobs and end of your maintenance. Things like windshield wipers, fluids, and oils can be so crucial in those cold months, so don't wait. Talk to one of their experts now, and if you're a teacher, student, or first responder in Rutherford County, find out how you can receive discounts on labor costs for your next job. That's First Class Sales and Service in Smyrna on 307 Hazelwood Drive. Get your good neighbor events to us in writing two weeks before they occur. We'll put them on the radio and the internet. WGNS, AM, FM, and online. Skies become mostly sunny here this afternoon. We'll see high in the mid-60s. Northwest winds of 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, mostly clear and alone near 36. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 43. Good morning. Still quiet at a traffic volume out here, but it's moving on 24 westbound and through the Hickory Hollow area, headed towards Nashville. Same goes for traffic on 41 there between Laverne and Smyrna. Just busy out here where you would expect. We've seen a ton of radar this morning. Slow it down. Hey, sleep with the sharks in the grown-up atmosphere at Ripley's Aquarium in the Smokies, December 26th and 27th. All the details at ripleysaquarium.com. I'm Commander Chuck with your on-time traffic. Rutherford Issues with Brian Barrett. 
hitting right at what matters most to all of us here in the heart of Tennessee. Weekday mornings at 10 on WGNS, AM, FM, and online. This is Peter Demas with Demas Family of Restaurants. When it's getting cold outside and you don't want to really get out of your car, Demas's has now started a curbside service. So you can order online, put your make and model of your car into the website, and when the food is ready, we will bring it out to your car, and therefore you can still be in your pajamas and come and get lunch and go back to your home if you want to curbside service. It's just another level of service of which we are trying to provide the residents of Murfreesboro. Visit us online at DemasRestaurants.com And welcome back in. Right now, 826, 54 degrees. Each time we do a weather update, it's just a degree or two warmer, so that's a good sign for things to come for... uh, those who are looking to get out and enjoy that lunch break outside or just get out, maybe walk the dog. Good weather today. Good stuff in store for us, and I always appreciate that. Our guests this morning, Sharon Joseph and Tanya Glasgow from the American Red Cross. And uh, so far, we've, we've covered some interesting topics, and one of the things I thought was really interesting is, is the communication link between the Red Cross, a soldier, and their families. And, you know, when somebody's overseas, we mentioned security an issue. You mm-hmm. can't just pick the cell phone up and right. call and check on your family. And right. when things happen, whether good or bad, whether it's a death in the family or a newborn or, or something mm-hmm. significant like that, uh, the Red Cross kind of jumps in and they, you know, verify and contact the, the commanding officer and get that information to the soldier. Uh, and that's something you guys have been doing for, what, 140 years, we said, <laughs> yes. since 1881. Since 1881. <laughs> that is incredible. That is incredible. And that's kind of why the Red Cross, from what I'm understanding, that was one of your guys' first roles was, was that communication. Because you guys said you were born on the battlefield. Is that accurate? In Clara nursing. Barton, yeah. In nursing. In nursing. Clara Barton was actually on the battlefield in the Civil War there helping the soldiers, bringing in medical supplies, uh, dodging bullets. Mm-hmm. I think she actually got shot once and went through her dress. Wow. <laughs> yes. Um so, um, you know, it's an honor to, to be able to continue this legacy of what, what she had in mind. Um, even, you know, there were soldiers that were um, in hospitals and stuff, and the families didn't know where they were at. She started mm-hmm. a writing campaign and would write all of these families to let them know where their loved ones were at. So that was like the first emergency communication message. And what we're doing now, um, from the time that... Um, a service member raises the right hand at the military entrance processing station. We call it the MEP station. The Red Cross is there to brief them from their day one, and they have an information card that they fill out so that we have that information on hand so the families can contact us from the beginning of their day one of their service. So if something were to happen, say, on the way to basic training or in basic training, we step in, and we're there with them all the way through their entire service career um, with their families all the way to death. Uh, We have worked on several uh, funeral burial details, uh, like four in the last month. We help arrange the honor guard and are there with the families um, to assist them during that process as well. And what would be in the case that a soldier may not have a family back home and, and something like that happens um, would you guys then step in, and, and you're talking about for, uh, you know, arrangements for burials and things like that, if, you know, with the soldiers since since they joined the Army and until the end there. Have you guys come across the situation where maybe they didn't have a family back home or their family had passed, moved on in that, and, uh, you know, you guys were, were in charge of kind of arranging the funeral and things like that? 
We were actually, um, the last funeral that I was involved in with an unclaimed veteran, this was such a terrible term mm-hmm. that they call them, but um, it was Lieutenant Donald Brown. Um, he passed. He had no family. Um, so we reached out um, to the to uh, Middle Tennessee Veterans Cemetery there. Um, we put out um, social media to let people know that, you know, where his um, burial was going to be, the funeral times, and, um, my goodness, the Rolling Thunder, the Patriot Guard. There were so many people there to support and honor this man. But it was that day that I realized, wow, why are we doing so much for them when they've passed we need to really step in there and do something for them while they're still alive. And that really spurred me to get involved with the VA hospital and the nursing homes. So since then, um, we do uh, birthday parties, monthly birthday parties, pre-COVID, of course, um, with the VA dementia and Alzheimer's wing here in uh, the Alvin C. York VA hospital. Um, We go out there once a month and um, bring them Uh, cupcakes and goodies and cards and balloons and just let them know we love them and we're thinking we think about them we're caring about them and while i'm on that topic if i could just also bring up that our heroes there have been locked down since the middle of march no communal dining no communal festivities nothing that has been the most heartbreaking thing to me with covid right now that these are some of their um, precious last moments they're not able to see family they're not able to um, their families used to come in and bring them goodies um, and they haven't been able to do that so uh, our volunteers we have awesome volunteers and community service uh, organizations that partner with us we've been able to rally up a lot of donations to help the VA um, everything from uh, detergents to soaps to socks and underwear to goodie bags um to help supplement since their families are not able to um to be there in fact for veterans day we collected over a thousand snack bags full of candy um the girl scouts were involved the mtsu uh red cross club was involved um and we passed those out well we gave them to what they call the um va volunteer service office and then they dispersed it since we're not allowed to go in the hospital right now but they dispersed it to all the veterans and also the tennessee um veterans nursing home there as well it's amazing how much more the red cross does than than blood donations and you know you get into the military (laughs) families and how you guys take care of them and uh, so many dimensions to what you guys do. I feel like we could have a whole show uh, each week, you know, just learning more about the Red Cross. And, um, you know, we're, we're lucky to have you guys. I uh, wanted to ask you a little bit about, and, you know, since we have Sharon here who's a volunteer and Tanya who uh, works for the Red Cross, wanted to ask you about kind of both sides of the coin. And we'll start with Sharon. What does it look like for somebody who wants to volunteer for the Red Cross? What's required? What is uh, expected on day one for those who are, are thinking about joining the team? Mm-hmm. The Red Cross has a, a website. It's redcross.org, www.redcross.org. And you can go online there and fill out an application to become a volunteer. It's that simple. And that application then is put, if you want to volunteer in Murfreesboro, it goes through the Nashville, which is our regional office, 
back to the heart of Tennessee chapter, and then someone from here gets in touch with you. And then you discuss with them what kind of thing you would like to do. And there's a myriad of tasks that, that we uh, need help with. So, uh, And one of them is that uh, fire response, is someone to take what they call a CAC card, which is a client assistance card, out to the locations because during COVID, we aren't able to actually go out and interact as much with the people. We try to do it by phone instead. But someone does actually take the card out to the area and, and give it deliver it to the family. So, And if you don't mind me asking, how long have you been a volunteer and what has your experience been like so far? All right. I've been with the Heart of Tennessee chapter for six years and I have gotten involved in probably more than I should, but I've actually <laughs> deployed twice, once to Louisiana and once to North Carolina. And I, uh, the first time in a shelter and the second time as an we call it an IRV driver. It's an emergency response vehicle. And uh, we actually go in the locations where the disaster has happened and provide food, hot meals for people. And that was very rewarding. I enjoyed that a lot. So, And I would assume that would be hurricane relief for Carolina and Louisiana? That's right. That's right. Wow. So, And, Tanya, what has your experience been like as an employee with the Red Cross? Talk about that and uh, you know some of the things you've come across. Wow. Uh, we do so much, and and I too was just um, in awe of all that the Red Cross does. We actually have five lines of service: um, the service to armed forces, international services, training services, which do your CPR, first aid classes, our blood uh, donations, blood services, and disaster services. Um, and we like to think that we're one team um, because we we. Uh, worked together a lot when the Tennessee tornado happened um, across the area. Uh, you know, SAF worked with um, the disaster services, and we went out to veterans that were in the community and lost things or National Guard members and were able to assist them with helping them. <laughs> a lot of them lost so much. But that's the one thing about the military community. They are resilient. <laughs> and they just, uh, they keep, they soldier up and they keep going. Mm-hmm. And um, that was inspiring for me. I, too, have had now my first deployment on a disaster for Hurricane Sally. Um, I went down to uh, to Florida and got to work um, with the, see the disaster side of things. And that was, wow, just such a... Um, fulfilling experience to be there on the ground to help people get food and help them with the shelter and just to wow just to just to be there and show hey we care even if you just show up and just listen a lot of times people just need need hope and need to know that somebody's there absolutely it sounds like you know in in just about any case you guys are there and, and in somebody's corner i know um, the tornadoes in Nashville recently was something the Red Cross was a part of. Um, mm-hmm. Can you talk yes. a little bit about uh, local response and you guys going down to Louisiana? What kind of deciphers where Red Cross employees and volunteers go if something happens here in Murfreesboro? Um, how, how does that decide what uh, you know where the Red Cross will deploy and what you guys will do? Since you're a disaster, I'll let you take that one, <laughs> okay. Karen. Oh, she's so sorry. <laughs> It's a fire. <laughs> She's got to go. <laughs> I really meant to hold that. Sorry. Um, and it was a spam, spam. See, I told you it was a fire. <laughs> you hear the fire, fire engine? <laughs> <laughs> we got to go. Sorry. <laughs> so 
I actually was in Cookville and set, went and set up, helped set up the shelter in Cookville during that tornado. So the the Red Cross gets the uh, call from the EMA office, and uh, <clears throat> I really got to figure out how to get That's emergency phone off. management <laughs> agency. Yes. Yeah, and um, they give us an an indication of what kind of help they need. If if could sometimes we've responded to the floods in the area. Uh, and we go out and uh, try to assess the disaster uh, um, amount and um, so that people, when they apply for FEMA help or whatever, ha- there's been an assessment made. Um, I'm losing my track. <laughs> That's all right. <clears throat> in, the, uh, in, in the case that something would happen local, then they would reach out to you guys. And in the case that something yeah. happens in Louisiana, maybe they would reach out to different Red Crosses. Yeah. And, and I'm sure a lot of it has to do with, um, you know, if there were tornadoes in Nashville, we wouldn't be the first people they would call to go help something in Louisiana. But maybe they would find a, a Red Cross in area who, who would have the availability, would have the, the yes. um, you know, people be able to available to come down and help. Sure. Yes, and it's important also to note that, you know, you, you can't just call Red Cross the day of the disaster and say, hey, I'm here, I want to volunteer. Mm-hmm. We don't send people out into the field until they are trained, trained. and ready. Um, we're also, we do a background check on, on all of our volunteers. So we want that, comf- we want people that are in that, in dire straits to know that the volunteers that are sh- that are showing up have been screened, vetted, and they are trained and ready to hit the ground. Um, so that's why it's important during um, times now when there's not a disaster for people to volunteer now to sign up so that they can go ahead and get the – and we have online training that they can take um, so they're skilled and qualified and ready to go. And Zoom classes and – Yeah. Wonderful. And so, it, you know, it, it may – sound bad on the surface but there there are going to be more um things to come more things tornadoes floods things of that nature and and i I like your point that a lot of times when something like that happens i think a lot of people maybe perk up and say maybe you know this is my chance i could help i could be a part of the red cross look at what they're doing but it doesn't start that day you have to to train it starts six months eight months in advance so now might be the time to get started um and and when the next the next thing happens where you're called and you're needed um you know you'll be ready to go you don't want people learning on the job <laughs> during the during a disaster. It's mm-hmm. so important that we are trained and equipped um, so that it flows like clockwork. That's where they're like the military. You know, you need yeah. to be um, you need to be ready to you go. You need to be prepared. Right. All righty. Our guest this morning, Tanya Glasgow from the American Red Cross, and Sharon Joseph as well. And um, you know, one of, one of the things that I wanted to ask you, and that actually came up one of our listener questions. Um, how how do you work with the Red Cross? How do you volunteer if you have a full-time job, if you have a family? I know it's flexible. I know if, if you reach out to them, they can work with you. But I wanted to kind of hear that from you ladies as well. I'm sure there are people you work with that have other things going on. It's not a not just a full-time job. Um, but, but what does that look like? Are they flexible? Can they work you in certain hours, certain days? Definitely. I have volunteers right now that that uh, help me with the emergency communication messages, uh, financial assistant messages, and what we call critical community services. These are calls that come in through the Hero Care Network, and once they have worked with them, then they pass them on to the local chapter. So if there is uh, a family member, a veteran, uh, or a service member that is here in this area, then we will call them and follow up. 
did your son or daughter make it home okay for the funeral um, for that veteran? Um, did you get your lights turned back on? Uh, that veteran that's that's homeless on the streets. Let's help get you some shelter. So that's something that, you know. And and most of the time, it's it's easier to find someone after hours or on the weekends. Mm-hmm. So just even if you donated, say a couple of hours a week, just to make those phone calls. Or if you wanted to, we have special events. We work with the Tennessee National Guard and the Air National Guard a lot. I want to thank them. (laughs) Any service member that is out there that is part of the National Guard and their families as well, they are doing so much for our state right now. Not only are they doing the regular duties and being deployed, they're also helping with COVID testing, disasters, civil unrest, I mean, it is amazing um, how they have stepped up. And um, we have a, a great Tennessee um, Adjutant General, General Holmes. Um, he's a soldier soldier, and he really takes care of his troops as well. Um, so we do things like pre- and post-deployment briefings with them. When their families get together and they get ready to ship out, we make sure that they know what, how to do an emergency communication message. Or if their families are in need um, while they're deployed, hey, here we are. Let us know what you need. We partner a whole lot with the American Legion, the VFWs, and Greenhouse Ministries. I know you mentioned them earlier. Um, their vet rep there is Andy Pounds, and he is a retired command sergeant major. He was a ranger. <laughs> He is phenomenal and has helped us out so much. All I have to do is call him Andy. I got a veteran on the street. Help me out. He prepares me a food box. He gets clothes. We he's helped me with uh, trying to help them find housing. So my hats off to Greenhouse Ministries as well for the phenomenal work that they do. And uh, hats off to and salute to uh, Andy Pounds. And let me know if I'm on point here, but it sounds like for folks who would like to volunteer for the Red Cross, maybe the question isn't, um, do you have the time, but do you want to volunteer? Because it sounds like there's so many positions, so many things to do that you can find time. And if it's something you're passionate about and you want to do, Mm -hmm. you can do it and they'll find time for you. What's important to me, I think, is I hope they have a heart for the mission. Um, And... You know, the thing about uh, service to the armed forces with this line of service is, yes, there's disasters um, that affect, you know, this community or that community. Um, But when it comes down to it, look at how many people have had military in their families. Have you? Mm -hmm. I think most people, I think, would have, yeah. Do you have, like, a mother, father, or brother, sister? Uh, Multiple cousins. Uh, My dad was in the Navy for many years. Um, Different grandparents, I'm sure, forgetting some off the top of my head. But uh, as you go through the family tree, I mean, they're, you know, uncles, cousins, grandpa, you know, lots lots of them, so. Right. So just about every family is touched by the military. And so I would hope that someone that if they want to volunteer for this particular line of service, that they really have a heart for our military. Um, there is so much that they can do. Even if it's if you want to stay at home and, and bake cookies that we can take to the nursing home or or um, write letters and cards. They love to get cards, um, especially from the kids. I mean, getting your, your children, they're homeschooling right now a lot of times. Have them sit down and write cards. Thank you for your service. You know, um, we care about you. We're thinking about you. You wouldn't believe how much their faces light up 
on a simple card mm-hmm. or even mm-hmm. those simple bags of candy means a lot. Well, we're going to take one more quick time out this hour. When we come back, we had a few more listener questions for Sharon and Tanya here. But uh, in the meantime, we're going to check on that weather and traffic one more time right now. 845. We'll be right back with the Action Line. This is Chip Walters, and I'll have Middle Tennessee football and basketball games for you right here. MTSU Sports on WGNS AM, FM, online. Hi, this is Dave Kiven of Music World and Drummer's Den. We'd like to invite you to come by and see Dan, our guitar tech, Riley, our drum instructor, and Tom, our keyboard and guitar instructor. We offer lessons for any level from beginner to advanced. Our instructors are great with any age, and they'll teach you the songs you want to learn and in the way that you like to learn. Come by in Music World and Drummer's Den. Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website, and Alexa, or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. Wolfwagon Mobile Dog Grooming. Grooming big dogs, little dogs, small dogs. The Wolfwagon Mobile Dog Grooming. Grooming dogs of all sizes. Anxious dogs. Call 615-663-8139. Feisty dogs. Find them on Facebook. The Wolfwagon. Hi, this is Gator with Tire World Off-Road. We're your local rough country dealer. So when you're ready to add some character to your rig, ask for Gator at Tire World Off-Road on Memorial Boulevard. This is Sean Brown at Tire World on Broad Street. Online at tireworld.us. First Class Sales and Service in Smyrna is reminding you not to wait on that next car repair job. As a matter of fact, if you're a teacher or first responder, there are special discounts available to you on your next job. So stop by First Class Sales and Service in Smyrna. That's First Class Sales and Service in Smyrna. First National Bank of Murfreesboro is growing to serve you better. Hi, I'm Shelly Rigsby, and in mid-November, our name changes to Capstar Bank. Our staff will be the same, but we'll be able to do so much more First National Bank of Murfreesboro will soon become Capstar, a full-service bank with a small-town feel. We believe in keeping our personal relationships. First National Bank of Murfreesboro, soon Capstar, member FDIC. Weather and traffic this hour brought to you by First Class Sales and Service of Smyrna. They're your hometown auto repair shop and reminding you not to wait on those repair jobs and end-of-year maintenance. The simple things like windshield wipers, fluids, even oil can be so crucial in the cold months. So don't wait. Talk to one of their experts today. And if you're a teacher, student, first responder in Rutherford County, find out how you can receive discounts on labor costs for your next job. That's First Class Sales and Service in Smyrna on 307 Hazelwood Drive. Now we'll take a look at that weather and traffic. Become mostly sunny here this afternoon. We'll see high in the mid 60s. Northwest winds at 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, mostly clear and alone near 36. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 43. Good morning. Still quite a bit of traffic volume out here, but it's moving on 24 westbound and through the Hickory Hollow area, headed towards Nashville. Same goes for traffic on 41 there between Laverne and Smyrna. Just busy out here where you would expect. We've seen a ton of radar this morning. Slow it down. Hey, sleep with the sharks in the grown-up atmosphere at Ripley's Aquarium in the Smokies, December 26th and 27th. All the details at ripleysaquarium.com. I'm Commander Chuck with your on-time traffic.
We're News Radio WGNS 100.5, 101.9, 1450. Online and on your phone at WGNSradio.com. Welcome back into the Action Line, and thank you for everybody who's hanging with us for this hour. If you're uh, checking us out on the dial or on the online stream or perhaps the handy-dandy WGNS radio app right off your cell phone or tablet, we welcome you back in now. 849 and 55 degrees out the door, which is, well, like we said, every time we check on the weather, it goes up a few. Maybe we'll just keep doing weather updates. We'll get up into, like, the 80s and 90s, and we'll just keep doing that. Um, (laughs) But... uh, we had a couple more volunteer opportunities that we missed on the uh, last time as we were up against a break, and I uh, wanted to ask Sharon about that. Sharon Joseph, one of our guests this morning, who's a volunteer with the Red Cross. And Sharon, what are some other volunteer opportunities? We mentioned there are so many. We didn't even get to all of them. Sure. Um, and it could be something as simple as baking cookies and writing a letter. It could be a deployment. It could be anything in between. Talk about that. Sure. Um, we um, The Red Cross looks a little different with COVID than it did. But one of the things that we did was uh, we partnered with the fire departments and we went to different uh, counties and actually installed fire alarms in people's homes. And we did it right here in Rutherford County in in Murfreesboro with the fire department. They had a grant uh, that provided the uh, fire alarms. And um, so that was something I enjoyed doing. Uh, With COVID now, it's been a little put on the back burner, but hopefully next year we'll resume that so if that's something you might enjoy doing uh, we do inspections of the local churches and things that we use for shelters so we've gone out with a team and done the inspections throughout this 10 counties well at one time it was 17 counties um, we uh, have a project called a pillowcase uh, project which is outreach to the local schools and it teaches the uh, kids fire safety and tornado safety and right now, because of COVID, that's got become a um, uh, virtual, yeah, virtual <laughs> a Zoom yeah. or whatever. Right. I don't know what I don't know what application they're using, but yeah. I did do that for a while and uh, go out to the local schools, um, and I enjoyed that. It's not for everybody. We find we keep trying to get people interested in doing it, and everybody's not a teacher, so um, or a talker as I am, obviously. Uh, <laughs> Uh, another thing I've done for uh, uh, the Red Cross is drive the Red Cross vehicles in parades, the Veterans Day parade, the Christmas parades, uh, that kind of thing. So that's something you could do intermittently once you're trained uh, as a driver. Um, let's see. We also did, um, when the Tennessee National Guard, every year they have uh, a week-long camp for the military-dependent kids. And Sharon and I um, volunteered there. We actually have licensed mental health counselors that came in and did um, some resiliency workshops for the kids there. And after that was over with, we passed out lots and lots of popsicles to all the kids. Mm-hmm. Yep. That was fun. Yeah. 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 Right, so it sounds like, you know, like we said earlier in the hour, if you if you're passionate about working with the Red Cross, they can find jobs that fit your schedule. It's more about the passion, having the heart for it, and you know, so many people, the first excuse you have for for many things, whether it's exercise or volunteering or, you know, starting to read that book, anything is, well, do I have the time? Um, yeah. But it sounds like you guys can work with pretty much any schedule. You can work from home in a lot of cases. Right. You can, you can yes. work locally. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you want to devote a full week, you can do that. If you want to schedule a day, you can do that. 
Right. Mm-hmm. And we work with youth, too. There are youth that, that, that volunteer um, all the way up to those that are retired, and they just mm-hmm. keep on going. So mm-hmm. age doesn't matter. Your situation doesn't matter. Yes. Um, even if you can give an hour, um, every little bit helps. We have this motto uh, for Red Cross. It's sleeves up, hearts in. What is it? Hearts open, all in. There we go. Yeah. So um, anybody willing to do that, we would love to have your um, volunteer service. And it can be, you know, if you can't donate your time, um, of course, donations are always welcome. Uh, No money, no mission, right? Money and blood is desperately needed. Um, resources, you know, if you've, you've got some things that you can um, donate, you know, there's there's plenty of ways. Well, one of the things we were going to talk about was blood donations. we got about six minutes left. I uh, wanted to save that towards the end because you had, and this is exciting for me because I don't know anything about this story. This was just something we chatted about a minute ago off the air, and you said, mm. can I mention the pocket knife story? So I'm excited with yes. our listeners. I haven't heard this one yet. <laughs> Tell us about that. Mm. This was one of those just, like, really memorable moments for me. Um on Veterans Day, I attended, um, it was a, an event for Agent Orange um, veterans. And, wow, I didn't know there's 366 um, service members a day that are passing from Agent Orange. Uh, there were 2.4 million uh, service members that were exposed to Agent Orange. So they're really doing a lot to bring some awareness to that. So I went to the event, and... I was passing out the candy bags to the veterans, and this one veteran said, Oh, you're with the Red Cross. Yes, sir. And he said, i got to show you something. And out of his pocket, he pulled out this little pocket knife. And he said, in 1970, he was a young soldier in Vietnam in the field, and he received a Red Cross care package. That little pocket knife he has had Mm -hmm. in his pocket and carried every day now for 50 years. Wow. So, you know, we've put some comfort kits together to send to some of our deployed troops and stuff. And that just for me was just like validation that, wow, I think we're doing something right. If this guy's hanging on to it. And, and you know, just the way he held it with such um, care, you know, he it really meant a lot to him. And, you know, I've been in the field and received things. My grandmother used to send me care packages, and it was always so great to see to get something from home. So, you know, that's one of the things we do as well is make care packages and, and send them to deploy troops. And what a great feeling that has to be for you and your team just to, oh, just yeah. to kind of say, just to solidify and say what we're doing is, is what we should be doing. We right. are changing that's people's right. lives and something just as, as, as little as that, but over 50 years is right. such a big deal. That is that is so cool. Yeah. That is so cool. Well, ladies, I thank you so much for your time. We did have one more topic to cover this morning, and uh, we just got about three or four minutes, but um, blood donations. 2020 has been crazy. Right. Uh, and one of the things amongst many that, that is, has struggled to make it through 2020 uh, is the Red Cross blood donation pool. So the amount of blood that they have available to give the people who may need it every day who may need it for emergency surgery, for who may need it for a many, many different reasons. A lot of times, is it, you know, you could save a life by donating blood. Um, Absolutely. How, how do folks donate blood right now with, with COVID? you got to social distance, and you're supposed to be staying away, and donating blood is kind of a one-on-one thing. So that can be tough. Walk us through that and, and how you guys have been kind of, uh, you know, pushing forward and, and doing so safely and why it is important that we need the blood. All right, so the, the Red Cross has a blood donor center right here in Murfreesboro, and uh, they've set up processes where as you enter, you're screened, 
Uh, they take your temperature and the hand, the hand sanitizer is right there waiting for you. And you can sign in. They, they ask that you only do it by appointment right now. And Tanya has the local phone number, I think, for you. Yes. And uh, if you can call and make an appointment, and then you can go in and be safely screened. And their um, tables where they do the blood donations are separated. So, And, of course, the attendants are masked, and uh, all the normal uh, blood precautions are taken. Uh, they also are, as another recruitment effort, they're looking for volunteers to do the blood screening, to do the little temperature thing at the, at the b- beginning. So that's Fantastic. another opportunity. And every person that donates blood, that is three lives saved. Every time, I mean, what, that's, that's pretty uh, minimal effort <laughs> to save somebody's life, mm-hmm. to just donate blood. I think it's a it's a no brainer, and you know, especially for folks who have uh, maybe been tested and, and gotten through COVID, or you know, are, are in a good spot, and they know that yes. they're okay to, to mm-hmm. donate blood. Um, and I said three lives for an hour of your time tops. You know, right. tops if things are moving slow, maybe up to an hour from when you're there until you leave. And again, it's it's one of those things we talk about first responders being important right now. Mm-hmm. Blood donations are important because it yes. goes back to saving somebody's life, and you know, somebody gets into an accident, somebody needs a surgery. That blood is needed for for them to continue and uh, to make it. So, also um, people donating platelets, people that are that need blood transfusions and, and cancer patients, and gosh, cancer is on the rise right now. Uh, they need plenty of platelets as well. So, um, anybody that's interested in um, donating blood, uh, they you can always call one eight hundred Red Cross. They can get you to the right department. But our local number here for the Heart of Tennessee chapter is 615-893-4272. All righty. Well, fantastic. And that's something they can do online. If they go online as well, they can find some of that information. But uh, donating locally here uh, wouldn't take long. Schedule an appointment. They do need an appointment for that. But, uh, again, each donation saving up to three lives. I think that, that says it right there. Uh, one other thing, we're losing places where we can have blood drives. There is a huge need in the community. Um, we've had some churches that have stepped up and some other organizations. But if your company, your organization can host a blood drive, that is so, so important right now. We used to do a lot with the schools, but they've restricted that now. So if you can host a blood drive, please, please give us a call. All righty. Well, ladies, thank you so much for your time this morning. Our guest this morning, American Red Cross volunteer Sharon Joseph and Tanya Glasgow, who is the program specialist with the Heart of Tennessee chapter. Thank you, ladies, very much. We'll have to have you on again soon. It has been a blast. Thank oh, you thank very you. Much. We're so honored to we be here. It. All righty, guys. Truman Show is coming up next. Keep it right here on News Radio WGNS. The voice of Rutherford County, the flagship station for Blue Raiders sports. Time on the courthouse clock is 9 o'clock. Now an update from the WGNSRadio.com News Center. Things go bump in the night. While making renovations at a century-plus structure on the Murfreesboro Square, the new owners of Church Street Galleries became curious and contacted a local paranormal group. Eric Snyder told WGNS... 